and it also really affects your like the way you see yourself like the fact that there's a multiple ways to look at gender and it's not just the way that we talk about it in america and like i feel like in the last two years we were like oh my god gender is a spectrum it's fluid but like people have already thought this before (laughs) and we just like just think that the western way of thought is the inventor of thought and the only way to think you know and it could really like help a lot of people at least for me like if i knew more about the way african societies built gender and sex and sexuality i definitely think i would have been a lot more open to my own exploration of my sexuality and my own like conception of my gender Hello, faggots. Um, I feel like these introductions are getting kind of long, so I'm going to try to keep it kind of short, although I do think today's introduction is necessary to preface before the episode because today's episode is unlike anything I have published in the past, even though I've only published like three episodes. However, this one is a little more serious a little bit more important and informational, if you will. So, the love of my life, Miss Destiny Shembo, is here to drop some knowledge about life and race and her perspective on navigating this world as a queer black woman. And although I try to educate myself on race and actively be an anti-racist, we all still have a lot to learn. And it's conversations like these that I feel like can really jumpstart and inhibit those conversations, hopefully. I also want to say that Destiny is an Afrocology major and Spanish minor. So she actually does have a lot more knowledge about this topic, not only from being oops, not only from being a black woman, but from literally learning about it, about it specifically for the past three years. So I think that she's going to bring an interesting point or an interesting perspective to this podcast. And with that being said, although that she is an Africology major and I have attempted to do my research and knowledge toward racism and race in general, Not every single thing that we are saying is set in stone or is necessarily correct. It's just our opinion and perspective. And if you don't agree or like it, fuck off. I don't really give a fuck. Um, Unless you are part of the black community and I said something out of line, then I give a fuck. But otherwise, yeah, I don't really give a fuck. And this conversation isn't the end-all, be-all. We're just getting our thoughts and opinions out in the open this was also just directly after the looting of the capitol i know that was a long time ago compared to when this is being published but this was in fact my first interview i have ever recorded so the audio isn't as great as the rest and my question asking is kind of all over the place i probably would have asked more specific questions surrounding destiny and her identity but Um, the last thing I want to say is thank you so much, Destiny, for coming on the podcast and providing such amazing and educational content for our show. I also want to thank you for being such an amazing friend. You are so well-spoken, so intelligent, so kind, so beautiful, so selfless. Everything about you I'm obsessed with. So I'm going to stop fucking talking and we're going to get into the interview. I don't know anyone else that is more qualified and more educated than to talk about it than my good friend miss destiny shemba oh my so <laughs> i'm like i'm talking like i'm acting like we're talking about something like extremely <laughs> crazy and serious like death or something but you have to admit topics like race can come across you have to be very careful is what i'm trying to say when you're talking about race yeah. so that's why i think that you're a great person to have on because you do have a lot to say, and you know your shit. Thank you. So, oh Miss Destiny, goodness. introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit so the, the viewers and listeners know who you are. Hello. Hi, fags. This <laughs> is Destiny. Um, 
I, I'm Destiny Shembo, <laughs> and I'm a queer African woman. Um, I'm a first-generation American. Both my parents are immigrants from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I am a current junior at Temple, and I am an Africology and African-American Studies major and a Spanish major as well. A little bit closer. Just, okay. yeah, you're good. Um, that's awesome. So are you fluent in Spanish, would you say? I yeah I guess I would say at this point because I've been studying since kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so do, does anybody in your family speak Spanish? No, I'm no. the only person. That's actually weird that I take Spanish. <laughs> so your roommate Alanis, do you yes. guys speak Spanish to each other ever? Um, not like really, but she'll like send me screenshots of like texts or like we'll see tweets in Spanish and send it to yeah. each other because we know we get it. Um, and like she listens to a lot of Spanish music, so yeah. you know exactly like yeah the the kind of vibes. That's awesome. So, since you are a queer black woman, I think that gives a really great perspective to this podcast. So let's just jump right into it. Um, one of the first things I want to talk about is the fact that we had a class together called urban black politics yes and urban black politics was with professor malefi kete asante i knew it was asante because that's i use usually what he goes by yeah. um he was a very 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 smart and educated man i was i felt wow. such an honor to be in his class yeah because of how high ranking he is in the world of scholars mm -hmm. um so in that class, we learned about something, and we had to write a paper on it, called anti-racism. And I did kind of know what anti-racism was, but he really made us go in-depth and, like, watch a lot of videos and, like, and force us to do our part. So can you kind of explain what, in the simplest terms, what anti-racism is, opposed to, to not being racist, if that makes sense? Um. So I would say that anti-racism it's not a, a term I keep in my lexicon personally very often however I would define it as taking full accountability in terms of financial advantages in terms of gender advantages in terms of advantages when there's times there are marginalized people in the room and you could be complacent but you choose to speak up um, it's just taking full accountability to always try and fight the system and do the good fight to keep white supremacist and racist systems from continuing to do harm to marginalized groups. That's awesome. I, th I, I probably couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, also, just like the fact that it is, it is racist or it is inherently racist to be complacent and that yes. kind of is what anti-racism is pointing out, that unless you are standing up for those in the community and you are fighting against white supremacy and the oppression that the black community faces, then you are part of the problem. Yes. So that's kind of where the anti-racism comes in. So is there something that people can do, especially in our generation as 20-year-olds in our 20s? Yeah, posting on social media can be anti-racist in a way but like mm -hmm. what can we do in our actions in our day every day-to-day -day lives to be anti-racist and to fight that oppression honestly i would say if you're non-black or honestly at this point since we're talking about racism we're talking about white people being the groups in charge if you're a white person getting up every day looking in the mirror and accepting the fact that you're a racist you're a racist or you are somehow being benefited by the system whether you're choosing to or not are receiving these benefits and advantages versus the rest of the world and being able to fully accept that at the end of the day and realize you have certain privileges and you don't have certain problems because you are white inherently you then are able to acknowledge in more spheres that yes I do have an advantage to be in this room and to be amongst people who can say these racist things and feel no consequence. And I have to take the accountability in this moment to say, no, just because I too look like you and I'm saying that this is wrong, I'm not gonna let you get away with it. Mm -hmm. So I just think being an anti-racist is acknowledging the fact that you are benefiting fully and wholeheartedly from the <laughs> conception of your life to the end by yeah. white supremacy yeah and like 
it's just like I did grow up in a Republican town in a surrounding where microaggressions and that kind of stuff was okay. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a school that was predominantly white, and so people didn't really go out of their way to stand up for those in the black community. So now going to college and living in North Philadelphia, I'm realizing like I thought I was this big anti-racist, and I knew I was I was so much more conscious and knowledgeable of all these things. Mm-hmm. But it, it really takes like realizing that there is things embedded into you that you don't even realize are racist. The everyday part really highlighted. Yeah. I think that's the key part of anti-racism too. It's just you know there's never going to be a finish line. Like there's no yeah. know-it-all. You will never be omniscient. Um, no black person will ever be omniscient on racism. Like it's always something you have to learn. And also it's kind of like how Chris said. Um, there's so much that one is embedded but also through socialization that we're not realizing we're being fed by the same systems that want to keep racism in place and therefore we're not even fully understanding where some of the terminology we're saying is coming from or even understanding like oh most of the time people grow up into their 20s believing that mlk was assassinated by like some random person and then i would say like 50 percent of people over 20 acknowledge the fact that they were he was killed by the U.S. government, and the other 50% just fully, fully rather lay their head at night than acknowledge that. Like you're saying, there's a lot of also just miseducation across the board for both black children, but also white children, because what type of education can we receive if it's really just a schooling to maintain a certain social order and social hierarchy? That's really important that you say that, like, is the schooling part, because as a queer individual, it's, we're so sheltered for so much, and, like, you have to go out of your way and educate yourself. Like, you cannot rely on any school system, even in college, to educate you, because you don't learn about things like you just mentioned. You don't learn about things like Stonewall. You don't learn about, I, what, Malcolm X was talked about for, like, half of a second, and it took me, like, being in urban black politics to really go into depth about him. So, I mean, I didn't even know who who Professor Santi was mm-hmm. because it's like those not aren't it's not that's not what highlight that's not what is highlighted here, and yeah, so it, it takes definitely. like going out of your way and educating yourself and not relying on anybody else, but also the fact that the curriculum is just fucked and yeah. like that needs to change overall. Like mm-hmm. we're not learning what we should be. We're not learning the real history. We're learning a white man's history that yep. is, ugh, and to go off of that. I mean, to go off of that, but also kind of unrelated, think about how in school you were always listening to your teachers, do as you're, say, do as you're told, well, you're not going to be able to do this in, in high school, and then you get to high school, you're not going to be able mm-hmm. to do this in college, and then, like, they are setting you up for a life of socialization and capitalism, where yeah. you're just, you, you're giving back to society, you're giving back to yeah. all of these fuck systemic issues, and you're yeah. subconsciously being a part of it because that's what you're taught for so many years. Mm. Why are we not allowed to talk back to teachers? Oh, Why am I not allowed to stand up for myself? Why yeah. am I allowed, not allowed to learn what I think is important? Mm. Why am I not allowed to take five minutes out of my day and, and have a mental a mental health check? Like, yeah. It's just these things that like they are producing what they want out of children. Yeah. And it, it, that's what I find really fucked up. And then, like, then you look at somebody who... I was privileged enough to have a great education, great in air quotes, because Mm -hmm. what is great when I haven't learned fucking anything I didn't want to, (laughs) but when I had a a very well-funded education, Mm -hmm. because I was from like a pretty well-funded town in Jersey, Mm -hmm. compared to somebody who could be going to school in North Philadelphia, or even a town that's right outside of mine that doesn't have the same funding, Mm -hmm. they're definitely not learning that shit. If I'm not learning that shit, then they're not even learning anything close to that. Exactly. And I mean, I'm taking this current course called The Black Child, um, The Development and Socialization. And we literally just had a whole entire conversation. So that's crazy bringing this up about like schooling versus education and how you're saying that our school systems are not educating us or simply schooling us. And from an Afrocentric um, perspective, we were also looking at how cultural and um we are looking at how ancient African cultural beliefs and traditions 
innately saw the child as divine. And so for them, the education of the child also meant catering to the humanity of the child, meaning the whole entire well-being versus how we would see in school systems where you come in from what? eight to three, kind of like nine to five, you come in, you do this. There's not a lot, at least in terms of when we look at the public school system, the way that we treat creative arts, Mm -hmm. physical education, sex education, things like that literally make humans human. Even just health, even the food we eat. Nothing is provided to us. We have Mm -hmm. no context for our own humanity, but in African beliefs, that's what should have been given from the front. And there's a very strong encouragement of the collective education. So that means that like it's not just the parents' job from the moment a baby is born who's educating, but it's also their aunties and uncles. And it's the people they interact with at the store and they learn how to be generous and things like that. It takes a community to raise a child. Um, and so I just feel like if certain if we didn't feel the need to erase certain African research and African history in the way that they structure themselves socially because we want to feed the narrative of Africa being victims, Africa only having brought us enslaved Africans producing AIDS, nothing really much else is really not pr- Not pointing out the power yeah. that that, None. Co- that country has. Exactly. Um, it's just there's a narrative that wants to be continued to be fed, but I feel like if we literally just took the time as the young country that we were to study the oldest country there is on Mm -hmm. this planet and has had the longest um lasting government and um agent specifically referring to the ancient egypt though that's referred to as kemet um in academics but Take your time, baby. Oh, yeah. I think if we would just take the time to look at how past societies structured themselves, we could learn a lot more about how to educate our children because it takes the mind to feed the culture, and culture is what creates institutions. That's how we get schools. That's how we create what is the family, what makes a good family a bad family, all of our ideas of what's good and bad, any way that we think is informed by culture. And I just think if we would take the time to look and see how other cultures may have done it, our schooling system probably would have a better sex ed, would probably teach gay children different ways of sexual expression, what it means to have gay sex, the ways that it can be expressed, gender identity. Why is that something that's fully evaded and is definitely fucking confusing for yeah. everybody like for even straight people don't even fucking tell me <laughs> exactly. that it's not it's fucking confusing like i literally just feel like just from my own africology perspective so i know i'm biased but i'm just like if we could just gear towards humanity and look at like the whole child as someone who is going to flourish and give back in some way not necessarily productive like the way mm-hmm. capitalism wants us to yeah. think but for that child to be a well-functioning member of society able to produce for themselves and survive and also not harm the community around them we did the job we don't need yeah little business robots yeah, working little, nine like to every five single little hate their lives like to college because exactly mom. everybody in a factory just like part of an assembly line Mm-mm. that's the society they want they want to they have very avaricious intentions and from what you described it is very selfless in an afrocentric point of view from like what have how have you described it because i mm-hmm. didn't learn that like i i don't know that shit because yeah. nobody fucking taught me and like i when when you are 20 years old i don't think that there is an excuse anymore because you can educate yourself at that point right so it's not like oh i didn't learn that or oh, my family didn't talk about this, that kind of stuff because i can learn it myself that's why i mean i took off um black urban politics mm-hmm. and like even things like the the culture that you were or you you brought up culture mm-hmm. and it's kind of safe to say, I don't know if if people are going to come at me, but it's safe to say that America doesn't really have culture. Comparatively, we don't have any culture, so it's like, who are we to sit back and denounce anybody else's culture that's so deeply rooted and, and say that it's wrong, you can't have it in our country, and we refuse to embrace it. However, we don't even have any culture of our own, and then we end up just stealing their culture and making it our own. It's just like the most confusing shit ever. It's like we will refuse any culture, but then we actually steal it. Like yeah. make that make sense. 
people i <laughs> yeah come to land yeah. that has a beautiful indigenous group with cultures traditions things like they could have literally taught the portuguese when they came and they colonized but no what has to happen genocide terror terrorism we just kill everybody and take what we want and then we decide how to do things but it's like we're such a young country we yeah. don't know Who how the to fuck do are anything we? yeah we don't know how to do we're literally anything. we're freshmen at temple university <laughs> thinking we're big dicks that's... and we're not and we get to sophomore year and we're gonna get our shit rocked For that's how real. it's gonna happen no like actually though that's what's happening right now we're hitting sophomore year because it's ridiculous we see how many other countries have had how many revolutions yeah and <laughs> we think we got the government right on one track yeah, like, yeah. no sir no yeah no and and we haven't really even had like this is the start of a revolution in my yeah. opinion from what i've learned in history from what the, the white man has taught me this is the beginning so hopefully there is some sort of change and I am very pleased and satisfied with the fact that I know I'm on the right side of the revolution mm -hmm. and that I'm going to do my part and I, I, I know you're going to do yours as well to not let this shit continue and not teach right. our kids this fucking bullshit and like te teach them what the real history of this country and the real history of surrounding countries that mean just as much and have a very, very well-versed culture. Yeah. So damn, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. That was really awesome, though. You 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 have a lot of great things to say, but Thanks. we just to move to my next question, so we don't stick on one thing. I do want to talk about the attack on the Capitol because mm -hmm. that that really goes hand in hand with what we were talking about, like culture, revolution, all that kind of stuff. What the fuck? Can you just give your point of view from like? I mean, I already know what you're gonna say. It's, I, it's what yeah. everybody's thinking, but it's just like you have a little bit more of an educated stance on it. Ciao. <laughs> Is white people white peopling? To be fully honest, and the only <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. that I can like take away from it, like, because I don't even think I was shocked by what happened. Truthfully, it was more for me the realization that's like. It's so funny that every time that people who are protesting, Black Lives Matters were protesting, um, every single time that we were out there in the streets, it was like, oh, no, these people, they're going to go into the White yeah. House. They're going to do some domestic terrorism. They're going to cut and ruin this whole entire country down to the ground. Oh, my God, what yeah. are they going to do? But no. What do we see have happen? Who do we see come raid of? federal building the most white secure people building, the supposedly most secure building <laughs> like, in the world exactly it's like uh it's just so funny to me like everyone always is like man at least i feel like from that side the people who were white supremacists who were raiding the capital i feel like it's always just like ah oh, the the dangerous mark like people the dangerous others the dangerous people who aren't straight cis white men occasionally white women though because white women also do get a lot of benefits like white men um in terms of race however it's like if you're not if you're other than that oh no you're going to cause some danger. You're going to, you kissing your boyfriend, mm -hmm. you're going to make our kids gay. Yeah. Hell you, no. You gaining rights oh, takes away oh, my no. rights. I don't want to see some fucking gay people kissing on the fucking movies. <sighs> like, I could what? never. That's going to, you don't think you're making the gay kids straight? Like, yeah. you, do we want to see straight people kissing? No. Every single fucking movie ever. <laughs> like, the fuck i don't know it's just so funny it was them like it is yeah. really funny but it's also just the fact that like we both live in north philadelphia during black lives matter movement there was an insane amount of national guard oh my there was a God. curfew i personally know people that i think the curfew was like seven or eight o'clock or something like that that were running like running sprinting to get home and like Cops were blocking off roads and cops were like not letting people get home yeah. so they could be arrested. So many people were arrested. People I know were arrested just for n for not even being part of part of any peaceful protests. I want to say that again. Yes. Peaceful protests. They were just outside and they were arrested. Mm -hmm. And after after the attack on the Capitol, there after they raided everything, there was still 
a curfew put in place and nobody was arrested from that curfew. Nobody, like, essentially, mm-hmm. not compared to Philadelphia. I don't want to say nobody because I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. But comparatively, there was no consequences. And we weren't even actually doing anything. And we were facing consequences. Everybody was getting arrested. People were sitting on the streets and, like, praying and still getting arrested. It was fucked up. And it honestly needed to happen, though, to point out the fact that this is still a very occurrent issue. Mm-hmm. Anybody that says that white supremacy isn't real and yeah. that racism has gotten better, it has evolved into yes. a different time, the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And baby, it's, you can't talk to me about looting. I don't care. I've never even been one, honestly, to be anti-looting, even though I don't even really believe in referring to any type of quote-unquote looting in protest as looting, especially when it's from black or brown people. I feel like I just personally yeah. would prefer to refer to it as like insurrections because I also feel like the language is very important just mm-hmm. based off of how I've seen in academia. Um, certain words have certain connotations. And by saying looting, it's criminalizing and demonizing an already what's assumed black group of people because it is black lives matter so it's just essentially continuing the cycle of criminalization demonization and i don't know i just rather say insurrection um and it also kind of is like a ode to like you know enslavement and the whole abolitionist movement and um the amazing africans who's did the things yeah Um, wow that is a really really good point um because they still I don't ever they say they call it the insurrection of the capital or like you yeah know what I mean like they they don't call it the looting of the capital <laughs> no. I've never heard that they that is wow insurrection, but if you look in history wow we've referred to like other um like at least uprising during the enslavement period it's called insurrections uprisings but no we're gonna call black people doing this in the 21st century looters like and then yeah. we're gonna put on the newscast a whole bunch of black and brown faces burning down buildings calling them looters looters if you hear the word looters you have an image in your head yeah you already know what you're thinking I mean, of. <laughs> like, yeah but by definition it has a negative connotation exactly so um i don't know it's just after Fuck the raid of the Capitol with guns and then the police taking pictures and selfies with the white supremacists Mm -hmm. like and them also being able to gain access into the building. And how does that even happen versus when they had how many um, National Guard people in front when Black Lives Matter was Uh, happening? But no, these people, they were able to get all the way to the door banging on it like. No, you're not going to talk to me about looters. I can't hear it anymore. Personally. No, that damn. That's a really good point. I, cause like, yeah, I mean, that is something something that I have not realized really. I mean, I know that like the verbiage they even trumps the fact that he says he calls like them thugs and rioters, and then he'll refer to them as the people in the insurrection at the Capitol, the looting at the Capitol, yeah, mm. and he'll refer to them as like patriots and that kind of stuff, <laughs> which is that's insane. No, now every time I'm going to refer to it, refer to it as the looting. Of the capital. I'm not going to say insurrection. Especially because it has that history of enslavement. Yeah. That's like, how are white people going to fucking take ownership of that? I don't know. It's just like, it just don't make any sense. You're not going to get to be called the cuter, sweeter term of your quote unquote violent protesting. That's also domestic terrorism. But us fighting for humanity and existence is God awful. Yeah. Or God forbid, Marsha P. Johnson throwing a motherfucking brick oh god we are horrible you know what right? i'm saying like i just i can't hear it i truly cannot and then we've tried being nonviolent. you can try being nonviolent. that doesn't matter mm-hmm. you can try to game through politics but just because we had it a black president so doesn't get rid of racism like yeah. it's really it is systemic it's, it's from the deep, ground up it's a pervasive like disease that has built everything that america is built upon 100 percent, and like since we are it's it is since it is so systemic and so enrooted into our culture does it have to be torn down to be built back up in a different way or can we change what we already have i'm a full 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 firm believer in it's got to be torn down i agree it is what it is at its root like it's like I don't know there's this one quote i heard a long time but it's like basically expecting like a rattlesnake to like bite itself or like expecting it to cut it off its own tail and kill itself. Mm -hmm. It's not. White supremacy is not gonna kill itself and going to these 
already white supremacist systems to be like, hey, you Can should you check change? yourself. <laughs> like, please. Like, huh? Like, <laughs> what? No. So I no. It's we gotta have a full revolution fully. There's no change to be had by other people. There's no change to be had by a specific system or love AOC, but there's no change to be had just by AOC or yeah. just by Kamala. Like, no, me and you, us doing this podcast, that is a step moving somewhere. It's a conversation being had. Yeah. Um, it's just something that has to be always done and always seeked out by the daily individual and not left to like politicians yeah That's because they always real. have regardless <laughs> i love real. aoc too but like love her I love mean, yeah. aoc okay <laughs> there, i mean every politician though is has has flaws we do. yeah exactly. we're, we're gonna acknowledge that for sure but Just don't want people i mean think about a house that is like the basement's flooded filled with mold Gonna and that, but the, the every uh, floor at the top is is beautiful and really nice. Is going to fall down eventually. Yeah. There's still that fucking basement that is destroyed, yep. and that is going to affect the rest of the house regardless. It does need to be torn down, and I also it's I also want to point out that me and you are talking about racism and what it means to be a black individual, a queer black individual, mm-hmm. and. I don't want to take away your experiences as a black woman mm-hmm. and like compare them to my experiences as a white gay man mm-hmm. because although I know intersexuality is important, I know my privilege and I totally recognize it and like I know you know what I mean like yeah. I was I mean I was fucking straight straight for like <laughs> fucking 16 years so like I yeah. I definitely know the straight white man's privilege and how fucked it is but yeah it is important to like talk about some things like that on the same parallel because it the homophobia is just as much transphobia is just as much embedded into our country just as much as racism is just mm-hmm. as much as xenophobia is sexism all that stuff it is all intersected so like yeah that when you look at the intersectional intersectionality of it all that's when it's kind of undeniable to say that you can build up from what we already have and no no we have to tear it down there's yeah. so much embedded and rooted into this country that it has to be reorganized in some way literally like it's like police reform no it's bitch down no. to everything even um our sats and the way that we do that and the vocabulary of that like there is there's a class um afrocentricity i believe where we literally studied about how there really are some racist endeavors behind standardized testing and the way that we expect certain vocabulary to be um what's the word to say it's like expecting certain vocabulary to be widely known in all regions equally versus when there are disparities like you said where schools are ridiculously underfunded um and even areas where like black children who speak abonics it's not looked at as like a valid true language and another language that people speak in this um country so that's like another way where it's able to hold people back or even let's just look at how they do um puerto rican descent people who have puerto rican descent when it comes to standardized testing it's literally they either want you to say you're white so that way there's more there's a greater white population in america or they don't let you acknowledge the fact that to be Puerto Rican means that you're a mix of multiple cultures, including from African descent. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, like it's so tiny, these little things. And like it's all so purposeful just to be like, we want to have a greater, larger white population. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we don't think about it. We're just trying to get the SAT done yeah. so we can get into college and maybe and be it's successful. Like, it's stuff like that, that that's where like the erasure of black individuals and black culture begins yeah right underneath our noses yep and like we're i mean every we're contributing to it and we don't even realize it yeah damn that is fucked up that is fucked ass up fucked ass so i damn i guess we should end this with that's what i didn't want to happen I thought I turned my notifications off. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so I guess we should end this with discussing. Are you hot as fuck? Yeah. Oh my god, it's so hot. I'm it's gonna open hot. a window. Okay, one sec. It's just hard when there's two hot babes in one room, y'all. So 
this is a question that I, I was telling you before how I asked if like I asked it okay to you because I don't want to say it like I don't want to offend anybody especially with like this kind of topic I'm being very being very particular about the words that I use um okay based on media mm-hmm. and based on rap music and what I've seen in, in from my perspective it seems as though almost some in the black community or those in the black community are more transphobic and homophobic than I don't want to say more actually because I don't think it's more are extremely transphobic or homophobic because I don't really know what I would be comparing it to because white culture is just as fucking transphobic and homophobic but coming from a group that is already oppressed yeah can you comment on like whether or not that's true is that just a stereotype that I'm I've been convinced to believe that those in in the black community are against me as as a queer person right is uh-huh. um not say uh-huh to that so they hate you baby um, go home <laughs> no i definitely cannot speak as a spokesperson um however i am more than happy to like contextualize those types of conversations and i feel like the history um i don't know i feel like the history that black people have in this country in terms with other identities and what we're allowed to be um, based off of what this country says we're supposed to be. So to further explain that, um, I do, I would say you can find a lot of transphobia and homophobia and sexism and misogynoir in the black community as you would any other community. However, I do think, yes, it is also more highlighted because one, when we do listen and look to our music, we also have to keep in mind who are the people who are reaching out and getting these black artists who popularized mm-hmm. black music and black, or at least rap music, didn't become big until a white woman named Blondie made her own quote unquote hip hop song. So there's also a certain narrative that is wanting to be fed to and us. And it's prolonged. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. I would I would definitely want to attribute it to look at how who's controlling the media and yeah there are black people black artists who are creating it but it's also a narrative of white producers or white business um or white label owners who Mm -hmm. are looking to get a certain amount of sales and if romanticizing your trauma in the streets and romanticizing poverty is what's gonna get these kids with all their money to come and spend money and get more money in their pockets they're gonna tell you yes please and to a certain extent, I also look at a lot of people who are kind of stuck in those places as victims because, one, they're being forced to relive their trauma left and right um, and not even being given the access of, like, oh, here's all this money, but no one's really going to help or care about you and help you go to therapy and access all yeah. these things when in your songs you are clearly, like, dealing with chronic depression and suicide. You know what I'm saying? All those things. Yeah. Um, but to also go into more in-depth about just the role I feel like homophobia, transphobia, misogynoir, all of that where it kind of stems from, in my opinion, in my own studies in Africology, is um, because I know that hatred of women itself is a foreign concept to Africans in terms of like ancient African beliefs prior to the Ma'afa, which is referred to as like the great catastrophe, calamity, which was colonization and interaction with Europeans because that led to enslavement and exploitation. Um, But prior to the Ma'afa, there was no contradiction or clash of genders. And there was honestly, truthfully, you can look at some um, old villages in Yoruba land, I believe. Uh, And I can't exactly remember the group. I want to say it's Igbo woman. But like there has been research done in the 1970s that literally researched these societies and showed that there was no gender or at least gender isn't a social identificator or identificator. I don't know. Identification, whatever the word is. Um, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't inform anything about your social status or your social hierarchy. So you being male, me being female literally doesn't mean anything yeah it's like you having black hair and me having yeah, brown it's hair it's like, like your person and what matters yeah. is what you're able to do that's all yeah, that matters contribute. um and there's studies of 
lesbian marriages there's studies of literal like i don't want to say like in america how we're like the first female president like that's not a thing in african countries like there are pharaohs who are women but it's not like we call them woman pharaohs and pharaohs aren't inherently male it's just these people who are able to rule and do the job um and so once it came to the ma'afa though then that's when there's an imposition of western cultural ideals and beliefs being imposed onto the black body of the black psyche and then on top of the trauma that is being enslaved being ripped from your country being ripped from your family and everything that you know um and then to be imposed of a new way of living and being told you are x and you are z and now on this land to succeed you need to be like us or you're gonna see and learn through the system of slavery that any proximity to whiteness is good like that is the biggest takeaway from yeah. slavery any proximity to whiteness is good that's what you see that's why how slaves that treated you're, better yeah everything like any or um even being like white passing in that self like that proximity is an aid and in part i feel like a lot of the issues in the black community come from what stems from like honestly like post-traumatic slave disorder and just having these new fucked up ideals and conceptions of what is masculinity because also there was no black male during enslavement they were stripped away of their humanity the Mm -hmm. black woman wasn't even a woman like that in itself is a whole podcast episode about the concept of the black woman but the male wasn't able to function in a way that served his community like it was literally just you're a bull and you're working for this other person and so they're taking on the traits of what does it mean for this white man in a white society to be successful what type of traits do i need to take on so i can move forward and be protection for my people and make my way up to help my community in any way shape or form it's like a want and desire to gain more but in actuality it's far more hurtful because now we see this extremely overwhelming struggle with toxic masculinity and there's a struggle with hypersensitivity because there's this like deep want to be able to fulfill this concept of a man because the concept of being a man was taken away from black men so it's looking at how do i be a man but it's not an african man it's how do i be a western Mm -hmm. white man in society so we see people like jay-z where um they have all this money or ice cube and like we look at them as these super conscious people who know x y and z and all of that but they're also people who have um who've also came from what's the word what am i trying to think of on jay-z i went on the term of money and sensitivity okay yeah so that's how you have people like jay-z and ice cube who look like these big black billionaires like they can make it out here in white america why can't you you can do it too or like kanye was saying slavery was a choice like that's how you kind of get to these places because we're trying to be this idea of success but it's not true success it's success in a western world and it's success in the western world is you continuing capitalism you continuing racist practices like sexist practices like all of that and it's so intertwined to what we were saying before about the education and the fact that we are being taught to what it means like you said capitalism we're, we're we're being taught to go right back into capitalism, just be a fucking slave exactly. to our country, just capitalism, and then produce this idea of what it means to be a successful man, or even yep. the same shit to be. I mean, as for I don't know, I, I can't really speak on this, but it could also be the same thing for women, like what it means to be a successful woman, but it yeah, also it is a, a is really actually white, a successful yeah. Westernized white woman, and it's not necessarily At all. what What's success is. Yep. And wow, you that that um, that make that's a really really good point, and I think that some people are going to be trying to deny that that trauma still exists because slavery was a few thousand years ago. But like we said before, everything was so intertwined in our conversation Mm -hmm. today. Our country is so young, and that we that is still very much an issue. It's still very much embedded into people of color's culture and like yeah it's like they and like not by choice they don't want to prolong this idea that they are slaves toxic masculinity all that and like yeah exactly but even the fact that like 
they are trying to like break free from like that post slave disorder. Is that what it? Is yeah, it? it's yeah, it's. and like that <laughs> that mixed with the toxic masculinity, like you said, and like the idea of like our world is promoting a straight white man and what he wants and what will mm-hmm. will help him progress. Like you said, even yeah. though the, the music that they're singing helps the narrative of black men is dangerous and white yeah. men as as successful and strong. Media too, movies yeah. like and romanticization. Even the fact that Jay Z and Ice Cube are like life. kind of like very. Um, Jay Z was a chopping. He was selling <laughs> up and down the highway in New York and New Jersey. This and man. Like, I was gonna say yeah, like they they it wasn't like they were just like given the same privileges we are, but then we are sorry I said we. Me, mm-hmm. meet my white fucking ass. <laughs> and like now it's almost like those things where they came from is forgotten about because they like made it. Yeah. And like they're just trying to produce this idea of what they think society wants from yeah, them. Yeah, like if I made it, you can make it too. But that's yeah. Did not you make it? What, what, in what <laughs> in, world did exactly, you make it? Like in what way do you make it if you still hate yourself? Truthfully? And if you're still contributing to a society that oppresses your people. Yeah, no. And. Well, there was something I was going to say. Oh. Wow. Oh, that was, you just, that was so great. That um, was like my favorite thing anybody's ever said. I feel so educated from that. So yeah, continue. Um, I think the last thing I was just going to say too, oh yeah, is like with the idea of toxic masculinity too, I think the pressure or, or not even the pressure, we need, I feel there is a need to stop placing the scapegoat Okay, I feel there's a need to stop making the black community also the scapegoat of certain ideals because black people weren't able to decide how our communities were really ran. Mm -hmm. I mean, once we were able to, quote unquote, break free from enslavement, even though the 13th Amendment still exists and we have prison labor. um, (laughs) Yeah, and there's, I mean, even Jim Crow afterward, like even the... the Um, It's like, like you're saying, everything is so recent that... I don't, it's too early, I really feel like, to just say, like, it's a black community's choice and decision to keep moving forward when we're not free from Western thought and imposition of who we are when there's movies a certain way or when you see media being portrayed the Mm -hmm. same way. Um, Or if you see all the good big black movies, like Friday, what happens is about gang life and it's romanticizing either you get out and you're the good negro who learns and goes through school and does sports and gets their old dream scholarship by the white savior and breaks out of the hood and then you have the no good sells whatever on the corner not i don't know continues to quote unquote make this our communities worse even though cough cough drugs are planted in black communities by U.S. government for war on drugs. Um, so it's just, I think it's also still too early to even put a scapegoat on black people. And I think it needs to also be like an emphasis on the conditions. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. I think there needs to be an emphasis on the conditions black people and black men are placed into to then feel the need to take on this like heavy role of being this big masculine man because that's also like blaming people out here who are robbing and stealing to try and survive you know what i'm saying when that's the conditions they've been placed in so yeah what you're doing might not be right but it's not your fault there is a greater powers placing you here not trying to even Mm -hmm. allot you the space to become better like oh you're a felon you can't vote Mm -hmm. you can't have a job like we don't a lot for people. or or redlining or the exactly. fact that like the fact that now in the in the 2020 election there were substantially more black individuals voting but now it's it's all of a sudden rigged and they're mm-hmm. so confused wow that's a really good point yeah. and something that like i hope is doesn't get um misinterpreted when you were speaking is that she doesn't just mean in the media because you mentioned like friday and i was thinking like blindside like the fucking mm-hmm. white savior like that kind True. of fucking shit literally laws there is laws right now set in place there's there are things that are put in place against the black community yeah and against communities yes that are more impoverished like i mean look at north philadelphia for example like we we know it firsthand our roads are are covered in snow there's a huge snowstorm every single other part of the city is covered in snow so now how are people making it to work 
Now how like you know what I mean? There's just like mm-hmm. there's just so or many the things housed and yeah. Philly. That problem yeah. is no, that it makes ridiculous. So and that, who are usually the people who are on the streets? Black and brown or LGBTQ yeah. folks. Like every uh, it time. breaks my heart. It hurts so bad. <sighs> but there and like like I said, Ryan Ladding. But to go off of what you just said, mm-hmm. the homeless community and living in North Philadelphia, I think it's a great time to bring up love your neighbor philadelphia because i think that that's a great plug-in right now and a great way to end the show miss destiny shembo so go go for it um so yes two cohorts and i jane shamanard and alanis santiago comas started this non-profit no okay yeah non-profit i mean you don't make money. Yeah, yeah so it is a nonprofit, it's a nonprofit a organization. mutual aid organization um, that basically is helping in the redistribution of wealth as well as um, helping bridge a and help okay and helping build a bridge between people who lack access in Philly with those who do have access, um, and especially because we are all temple students and we are surrounded in an area where temple students are gentrifying north philadelphia and we're doing it every single year and then with corona we're having now these students who are able to most afford college or in some way have the privilege to attend college Mm -hmm. because let's just say that's a privilege in itself whether you're in debt or not you're yeah, able to take on the debt. allowed to even take out exactly. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we are privileged enough to attend a school and then we're paying as much as we do, or the loans are paying as much as we do, to now live in this low income area, increase the fucking rent on other people who have lived here for centuries, mm-hmm. and are also people who are working nine to fives. A lot of the times, like, and these are just genuine stories of my neighbors, and not even me trying to like make assumptions, but it's people who are working and have goals for themselves and aren't trying to stay in. North Philly, but now we're coming in here paying $50,000 a year littering the streets, making the nights when we have parties and there's families next door and their parents are stressed trying to get to work the next day, drive their kids to Mm -hmm. daycare in the morning. You know, like there's so much that we are doing on this campus and on this community that it doesn't matter whether you're a temple student or if you're just a local resident. We are neighbors. It's people that build a community. It's people that Mm -hmm are what create the community. So whether you're a student or not, we should be able to extend love. We should be able to extend resources. And Temple, Temple sure as hell does not extend resources <laughs> at all to these people, let alone, God forbid, or let alone them bringing us back to this area with people who have a lack in access. God can't even imagine healthcare, right? But now we're all going to be some, not we, because not Chris and I, but there are going to be people partying and then exposing people at Dunkin' Donuts when they go and get yeah. their ice caramel macchiato. Like, there's so much that this community could be... There's so much more that Temple could be doing for the community than what it actually is that we felt it was time as individuals who are fully capable and have the time, thank God, thanks to Corona, mm-hmm. to make the change and stop waiting for it and yeah, that's and take how on that we responsibility that temple should have taken on a long time ago yeah and i think it's really great what you started because you were already doing coat drives food drives donations like beforehand that were just a little bit less organized mm. so i think it brings a great like organization aspect to it but also coming from somebody who's not involved it just gives me like the information that i don't really know where to find like I, I see see I say I am I'm not this person but say I am this like rich white guy that like wants to like feels fucking guilty wants to give back to the community who am I venmoing who do I send it to I'm a gay person and I want to help those in my community especially trans or non-binary or mm-hmm. individuals that are trying to to survive literally to just live day in to existence day. I crazy. want to be able to help because I might be in debt and I might not have all this money but I have enough privilege where I can spare 20 fucking yeah. bucks to help somebody throughout like three days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's simple. Yeah. And so just being able to have like access to that information is something that is really, really, really like life changing for them and me and everybody involved because like I really don't know where to find these individuals that I want to help out. Right. And I, I mean, people right. genuinely people right. do want to help out. People do want to do good. I want to believe that people are inherently good but we might not have that access so this is a really great opportunity for 
everybody to give back. Yeah, in definitely. some way, even if it's time. Yeah, it's simple as that. And I mean, for us, it is a very big goal of like we're saying reparations and how you're saying people think like, oh, they're going to get money and do whatever they want with it. Okay, so you got so much money just because you're white or just because you're cis or just because you're heterosexual, like passing. You know what I'm saying? There's certain things where it's like you just got it because you got it. So, you know what? Why can't you just give a second to be like. To here give back and especially to those in the community that like and who cares you, if they use it yeah on? and it's also They're like, already held back just just love people like don't why does it have to be such a negative like policing yeah like don't fucking worry transactional, about it transactional like i give you this so i want to see this back like kind of charity yeah. when people always want to see the give back mm-hmm. but it's not always like about that like people just need survival and People don't even realize like things like generational wealth, how those type of things can accumulate through equity and how redlining affected black people from being able to build equity, which then affects generational wealth, which then affects ability to attain higher education or, you know, doing bigger, greater things like traveling. Um, But people, because they don't even look at the fact that there is such thing as generational wealth and there's things like just systems being able to navigate through a system way easier and being able to surpass because your name reads a certain way versus another name needs to be like acknowledged and being like, okay, yeah, I got this and I can do it like that. So here, let me just give this to this person. And it doesn't matter what they use it for. And if they use it for school books, if they use it for top surgery, who gives a fuck? But this person is held back and the way they're held back is helping me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, even that's if it's... The, that's what really needs to be pointed yeah. out. Yes, they might be helped back, held back, and it might not be your, your fault. fault. <laughs> like, and it might not be a direct correlation, but you are gaining in from some that. way from their... Disadvantage. Yes. Fully. That, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, I mean... We just, we boom. broke down reparations for, like, <sighs> <Damn>. dummies. <laughs> I know. And I actually have a feeling that this is going to blow up and, like... You guys are gonna get a, a, hopefully a bunch of support. Um, you guys should start reaching out. It. Yeah, you guys should just start like continuously reaching out to like corporations that want to make themselves look like they're do- doing something because at least you could take their money. You right. know what I mean? Like, and they love to pretend like they're fucking helping. So right. if you're gonna give them money or give us money if, to like help others, then right. And I mean, yeah. if any therapists are hearing this or anybody who is interested in becoming a therapist or have connects to therapists, love your neighbor. Philly actually wants to build in its work for like mental health and just the overall, overall well-being of people. And so we want to start to create a fund to help people gain access to, re- to therapy because we know that's very difficult to offer that service for free. But if mm-hmm. we're able to have donations come in, we are more than happy to try and actually provide people in Philadelphia with therapy if we are able to get a connect, though, with a therapist who is more than willing to help. So yeah. if anyone is interested and has a connect, please DM at Love Your Neighbor Philly and we'll get back to you. Yes, um, I'm going to attach all of the information, their Instagram and um, the personal Instagram of, of Destiny as well, so you guys can get in contact contact with both her and love your neighbor philly destiny i really really appreciate you coming on i feel like my fucking i just feel like i've learned so much and i feel like ignorant almost to the fact that there's a lot of these things that i didn't know and there's a lot more things that i need to educate myself on right and i the same right and it also really affects your like the way you see yourself like the fact that there's a multiple ways to look at gender and it's not just the way that we talk about in america and Mm -hmm. like i feel like in the last two years we were like oh my god gender is a spectrum it's fluid but like people have already thought this before right (laughs) we just like just think that the western way of thought is the inventor of thought and the only way to think you know and it could really like help a lot of people at least for me like if i knew more about the way african societies built gender and sex and sexuality i definitely think i would have been a lot more open to my own exploration of my sexuality and my own like conception of my gender Mm -hmm. because I feel like I was always forced to fight with it. Like I was always told my sexuality or my gender, it's something I'm always supposed to fight with. And I'm Mm -hmm. told it's X and it's Z or X, Y, and it's Z. But 
it's not like it's not something I'm supposed to fight with because like I'm African. My ancestors are African, like ancestrally, like there is love for me regardless. And Mm -hmm. like it's very different growing up and thinking that like all these systems are against you. Like religion doesn't like you. Laws mm-hmm. don't like you. Your family could abandon the you. You know what I'm saying? The cops are against you. You're unprotected in every, every way. Sense. Exactly. Versus growing up and being like, this is normal. Like I'm okay. It doesn't matter whether I'm a male or female. What matters if, if I can get the job done. Yeah. And my relationships only matter to the people I'm around and my relatives. It doesn't yeah. matter my essence. My essence should be divided my essence should be decided by me and not a social identity the way Western societies feel like. Yeah, that is only put in place to divide. Yeah, and is, is it put in place to what? put one <laughs> superior over the other. Exactly. So I don't know. That's just my little tidbit of how at least Africology has really helped me in terms of like my own view of myself and gender and sexuality in the way. I don't know. It could also help other gays figuring that yeah. out. Um, other black people who might be trying to figure it out for themselves and want to study the way Africans have been gay and been fucking each other and been having women in charge and been having women pharaohs. Like, I don't know. I just felt like there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of awesome gay shit you can find in African history. Yes. Open the book, you know? Exactly. You have to go out of your way and, and educate yourself. And that's... What I really want to emphasize, along with everything else we've talked about, wow. Wow. I really, really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Chris. You're one of my favorite fags ever. You're one of mine. And I, do you want to go smoke a blunt or something? Duh, bitch. Okay, let's go. (laughs) 